on today's show, the Atlanta Hawks get on the board with a victory in Summer League. And also, we break down a trade involving Patty Mills and a bunch of stuff going out of the Hawks roster at this point, which leads to some questions about the current roster and where the Hawks stand. Touch on all of that and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1518 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the Lawton Hawks podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube on the video side, etc. And we'll dive in right now to what is going to be a busy podcast. First, we'll break down a trade that transpired on Saturday. It did not quite um, sort of engender an emergency podcast, but still plan to discuss from that transaction and then later on the show we'll talk about the game that transpired tonight in Las Vegas but the Hawks getting their first victory in summer league over the Denver Nuggets first though we'll start with the trade which is not quite again rise to the level of an emergency podcast on Saturday but still pretty notable in a lot of different ways so Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Saturday that the Hawks will be sending Usman Garuba, Tyson Washington, Ruby Gay and a second round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Patty Mills this has not been officially announced at this point in time in fact the Hawks did not even announce the deal to acquire Garuba and Washington from Houston until after they had, had reportedly already made this trade for Patty Mills. So we're in that kind of this, this part of the schedule where nothing is really final until it's final. But all reporting and all that I've heard indicates this is definitely going to be happening in the near future as far as a finalized transaction. Again, Garuba, Washington, Gay, second round for Patty Mills. Now, uh, not a blockbuster, obviously not, not a game-changing trade in every possible way. But basically, I will give you three explanations as to why the Hawks might be doing this trade. Number one is the roster crunch issue. With this move, the Hawks go from having 18 players for 15 spots down to 16 players for those same spots. So the Hawks were basically overflowing with contracts. We knew this already. Talked about it uh, throughout this last week on the podcast, but they had a basically a numbers problem with regard to their roster. Now, with Mills included, and also the rookies, you know, Kobe Bufkin, Muhammad Gay, et cetera, they have 13 guys on guaranteed deals now. That is well below the maximum of 15 players for the current season coming up once you get to October. Then they have three non guaranteed contracts. Bruno Fernando, his guarantee date is now Monday. As you listen to this podcast, it will be today on Monday after it was pushed back from late June. Also, they have beat Krejci on a non-guaranteed contract, and Tyrese Martin, who, who is scheduled to guarantee on July 21st, so only about 10, 11 days from now. That's another decision they have to make. But Bruno will know more about on Monday, but still 13 guys, guaranteed contracts, three, three guys non-guarantees, plus the two ways for Seth Lundy and Miles Norris. Technically, they could just roll with these 16 guys on the roster plus two ways, and then maybe you know decide on non-guarantees for Krejci or whatever they wanted to do, but most teams don't want to do that. They have to decide on Bruno by Monday. They have to decide on Martin, by, at least money-wise, by July 21st. Otherwise, they have to pay him later on. So I think that not having Garuba makes it more likely that they have Bruno still on the roster. And personally, I would have kept Bruno either, either way. But keep that in mind, sort of number one on the themes list is roster crunch. It's not really an order, just kind of going through the reasons why they might be doing this trade. Number two is the acquisition of a veteran guard. Maybe. So, I said a few times, the Hawks probably need a guy, a guy that can kind of run their offense as a third point guard. 
even if someone not terribly inspiring, like for instance, Aaron Holiday last year was kind of this guy, a guy who I thought was a good minimum signing, but not going to change your life necessarily. The Hawks are very thin if anything happens to either Trey Young or John T. Murray. Now that's the case for a lot of teams, but especially with this team, ball handling wise, creation wise at the point guard spot. Yes, they have Kobe Bufkin, but Bufkin is a number one, he's a rookie, a 19 year old rookie. Number two has been more of a combo guard. And like, I am always of the mind that rookies are not particularly good. Usually you can't rely on Bufkin to be your only guy that can carry, they can carry the load. If you have anything happen to Trey or DeJounte. So Patty Mills will be 35 in August. Not the same guy he used to be by any means, but he, he can be a steward for you. He can still shoot the ball at a high level. Um, I, I think he's probably not going to be a great option for you, but certainly a little bit more experienced, obviously, than a lot of the guys they have in, internally on the roster, and he won't get you killed in a lot of ways. But still, the reason why I said maybe earlier is that Woj made sure to immediately report that the Hawks are, quote, still deciding, end quote, whether Mills will still be on the roster when the season begins. Um, he does have a guaranteed contract, which is worth pointing out, but so did Rudy Gay. And the and all indications were, and I said this on the podcast as well, they were not going to roll with Rudy Gay into the season. And of course, they traded him already in this transaction. So uh, it's a big TBD on whether Mills is on the roster, what they believe in him, all that stuff. But obviously, I think it would be very helpful to have a veteran guard, a veteran in general, but certainly someone that kind of run the offense and be, sort of be that caretaker steward type if they actually need that down the line. Then... Number three is the money situation. So I thought it was kind of funny that Woj led his ESPN story with the phrase, in a cost-cutting move, end quote, uh, and mentioned a $4.5 million savings for the Hawks. I will say, and you'll uh, listeners of this podcast will know, that I am not shy about kind of criticizing the team for being cost-cutting in some ways. But I'll say this is a little bit misleading. Mills does make about $6.8 million on an expiring contract. That's actually a little bit more than Rudy Gay is making for this coming season. But Garuba and Washington make about... 4.9 total, more than the minimum on both sides. That explains the $4.5 million savings that Moj is talking about. With that said, the Hawks do have to fill out the roster, and even if it's just minimum guys, it would save some money, but probably not $4.5 million, if that makes sense. So that, that leads us to where, the, where we are right now on the roster. I mentioned before they have 13 guaranteed contracts, all that fun stuff. They have $151 million in guaranteed salary in 13 guys. The tax is about 165 So they are still way over the salary cap. That's been a misconception that I've heard from Hawks fans a lot. How much cap room, how much cap room do we have? Uh, the answer is done. But they do have $14 million in tax room at this point. They do have part of the Collins exception, plus the mid-level if they want to go out and try to sign someone to add a player. And after this deal, they actually could offer the full mid-level to a free agent and still be under the tax. But importantly, there are not a lot of free agents available that are worth more than the minimum at this point. There are a couple. Kelly Oubre is one. Uh, P.J. Washington is one. Uh, he's, re he's restricted, and the Hornets are probably going to match a, a reasonable offer for him. I would assume there's another one like that on the RFA market. But So there are some guys, but still no one changing your life too much. And again, uh, it seems more likely to me at this point that it's going to be a trade if they add salary and add someone significant to the roster. But they can add more if they want to via a couple different mechanisms. But at the moment, that's where they are roster-wise. They're well below the tax after the Collins move and even more cost-saving here. So basically, overall... What I would say is that the original trade with Houston to acquire Garuba and Washington and two second round picks for nothing, basically, was an absolute no brainer, great trade. And I said that on the podcast. This trade is not quite that. Uh, on one hand, Patty Mills is much more useful to the Hawks this year than Ruby Gay. That is very helpful, potentially, if they want to use him. But you're basically trading two guys that I think have at least neutral, maybe even positive trade value in Garuba and Washington. I like Garuba, just telling everyone that now, plus attaching a pick to them 
to make sure to make you change from Rudy Gay to Patty Mills. That's a large price to pay in that transaction. Now, if you were to combine the Houston deal and this deal together, it nets out just fine for the Hawks. It negates what was an awesome transaction in my mind, at least not a huge one, but still a very, very good value move. And this one kind of not, not quite as such. Again, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things at all. I think the Thunder did a very good, very good business here. It's sort of getting a lot out of the Hawks to take um, this kind of transaction, take on some money, but got a lot of uh, future potential value from Garuba, Washington, and that pick. So honestly, the way that I would put it very simply is that if the Hawks do not want Patty Mills, I don't understand this trade. Now, if they're valuing Patty Mills, and that's, again, an open question at this point in time, if they want Patty Mills, it comes into a lot more focus. Because, yes, you do save some money, clear out the roster, and you get a guy that you might trust to run your offense in a pinch. Um, but if Woj, if Woj's tea leaves that he's putting out there about the Hawks maybe not keeping him Patty Mills, if that's true and they plan to flip him or whatever, then this deal doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest with you. It's not, again, not a huge deal at all. I'm not going to be the first person telling you that it's going to be this, like, this massive downturn, but it's a little bit baffling if, again, if they don't want Mills. If they want Mills, you can argue all sides of it, but I think it's at least defensible because you're adding a guy that, that you wanted at, at that spot where you kind of need someone to uh, be a veteran in that spot. So long story short, a sort of a three-pronged thing again, money, money-wise, maybe adding a veteran guard, solving the roster crunch. There's still more to come on that. Then we'll talk about more on sort of later this week and in next week, et cetera. But uh, overall, that's where we are on a Saturday after on, a, on that trade from a Saturday. And then uh, after this break, we'll talk about the actual game that transpired on Sunday evening. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. If you're trying to take that summer vacation you've been planning, but also potentially dreading everything you need to buy before you take off, if that sounds like you at all, it's time to spending that hard-earned money that you're looking for without getting anything back in return, and that means using Ibotta. Ibotta gives you hundreds of, hundreds of grocery items with cash back from produce to personal care to pantry goods, and you can actually make sure you're beating infl- inflation no matter what you're purchasing, either by linking your loyalty account or uploading your receipts after you shop to get the cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year. That cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or maybe even give you cash back on buying a flight that you've been trying to buy the game you're trying to go to, the fancy dinner you've been craving, et cetera. There are options there with Ibotta. And other aspects give you actually points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you actually get real cash. You can cash out to your bank account, to PayPal, or to gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of different online brands and retailers when you're looking to use Ibotta. That includes places like Lowe's and Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners to Lost House Podcast $5 for trying the service right now by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store, Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the promo code LOCKED. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in Google Play or App Store, and use that promo code LOCKED when you get there. Check out Ibotta today. One more thing of uh, news before we dive into the game itself is that the DeJounte Murray extension was actually announced on Sunday. No surprises at all there. The Hawks never confirmed details of the contract, but it's it's basically just notable that it's done and it's been announced, and the six-month clock on his trade stuff can start if they want to start looking at that into January. Uh, Landry Fields gave a quote in that release that says the following, DJ is someone that we want to continue to build with. He's a dynamic talent with the heart of a leader. He leads by example, is an unselfish teammate, and truly cares about winning, end quote. So positive stuff there. Obviously, you might imagine that after a four-year deal for $100-plus plus million And if you missed it, I talked about that deal in depth on the site on the same podcast. So please check out the podcast, subscribe, and check out that episode. All right, let's dive in now to the Summer League action, a 98-93 win by the Hawks over the Nuggets. It was a high-scoring affair compared to the game on Friday. A much better played game all the way around for Atlanta. And uh, offensively, they were able to make a bunch of plays, which is nice to see. Um, Same starters this Friday. It was the uh, combination of 
AJ Griffin and Kobe Bufkin, along with Tyrese Martin, uh, Mo Gay, and Fionnu Cabangeli. As the fivesome, uh, there was a lot of guys who played a bunch of minutes off the bench. In fact, Vic Krejci played, played more than a couple starters in this game. but he played very well off the bench. We'll back to him later on. Um, but in the first half of this contest, some nice hesitations, um, nice sort of uh, you know playmaking from the young guys. Buff got a nice drive and floater off the glass for the first bucket of the game. Um, I will say zero hesitation on a couple of catch-and-shoot threes from Muhammad Gay in the first quarter. That was really good to see. I said on the last podcast, but Antonio Lang, the coach of the Summer League team and the assistant for the Hawks under Quinn Snyder, was talking about how the, everyone's encouraging Mo Gay to fire away from three-point range, and Bo said the same thing after the game. Uh, he was definitely doing that in the first quarter of this one. Uh, also, he landed very, very hard on his back after a dunk attempt right in front of me in Cox Pavilion. Um, he got up very, very slowly, ended up staying in the game. I, I, I'd imagine he'll, he'll probably be pre- pretty sore in his back tomorrow, but he seems to be okay for the most part. Um Subs in this one, the Hawks ended up playing 10 guys. The one the one change from Friday was that Eve Pons did not play and Miles Norris, the Hawks two-way player, did appear and played pretty well, I thought, in this game. Had a nice duck in for his first basket. Also a reminder that, by the way, he shot 38% over three years in college. That's probably his calling card right now, but he's definitely a guy who knows how to play basketball, which is good to see. There was a couple of awesome passes in this one. Veed had one, Tyrese Martin, um, a couple of just good ball movement episodes all, all the way around. That was a really good defensive rip by, by Bufkin, actually, I thought. Staying in front of his man, getting a block in one-on-one settings. Seth Lenny had two blocks in the first like minute and a half that he played. It was a pretty impressive performance. I will send this uh, as, sort of, as sort of a hat to, to, my, to my pal Glenn Willis. But Glenn said, and I echo this, the Hawks did not run many sets in this game. They were playing very freely, lots of like read and react stuff. Not a whole lot of like design stuff from the, from the sideline, which I thought was probably good overall. Um, Tyree Smart shot the ball very well in this game. He wasn't alone, but the shooting was definitely the change, was the main change. Um, in the On Friday, no one could make a shot, basically, on the Hawks roster. In the first half today, when the Hawks were up by eight points, they were 8-17 from three, and that kind of tells you how things were. Um, after halftime, they cooled off a little bit, but still shot the ball very well on the whole. Kobe Bufkin actually hit four threes in pretty short order in this one. He got very hot for a little bit of time, which was fun to see from him. I thought the Hawks played very fast, but in a good way. Not like pressing, not doing too doing too much too fast, but pushing tempo and being the more athletic team. I think was probably very helpful in this game. The Hawks got actually their lead cut down to five in the third, or maybe it was even in the fourth quarter. Then a, a trio of threes from Krejci, Lundy, and Brady Manick put the lead to fourteen with about six minutes to go, and that was probably the end of the game realistically. Before that, Buff got a nice winning play. I thought to keep it off the rebound alive. I thought Veet was really good moving the ball and kind of being the engineer of some things from the wing, also from the top of the key. Um, it wasn't totally comfortable from there, but still no like huge threat from Denver down the stretch. The Hawks were able to get out, got out of there with the win. But again, I mentioned the shooting, but I'll give you some numbers here on this front. On Friday, the Hawks were 14 of 47 from three. That's actually a lot of volume, which is good for the most part. But that number included 8 of 13 from Brady Manick, and Fiano Kamengele. Now, Manic's a great shooter, but those, those two guys are not like the main pieces of his team. And the rest of the team was 6 of 34 from 3 on Friday. Tonight, the team was 15 of 38, which is 40% from 3. The only guy that took more than one 3 that didn't make one was Kamengele, who actually was 3 of 3 the other night. It was 0 of 2 tonight. But Mogay Mo hit 2. Bufkin hit 4. Uh, AJ was 1 of 4. Tyrese Martin was three of six. Uh, Manic, Krejci, Norris all hit one. Lundy hit two. It was kind of equal opportunity, and everybody kind of shot the ball well and very much in rhythm. Also, they shot well from two-point range. 
36% from two-point range in this game. That's good to see. They had 24 assists and 12 turnovers, which is also very nice for a team that uh, I think Lang said even as plainly as really that he possibly could have on Friday, that if they hadn't turned the ball over so much on Friday, they probably would have won the game. I think I agree with that, honestly, but today it was much, much cleaner. And we'll get into some, some of the player observation in a second, but I thought in general the Hawks looked like a team that was kind of operating the way that the Hawks want to operate, like very free-flowing, um, you know, unselfish play, good cuts, good passes all the way around. A lot of guys had had assists in this game. In fact, all five bench guys, the only guy who, who played in this game did not have assists was Kevin Gale. But six for Bufkin, six for Veet, three for Griffin. Uh, they were they were passing the ball at a high level, which was good to see. And then defensively, they weren't incredible in this game. They fouled a lot. Um, they didn't create a lot of turnovers, but I thought they were at least relatively uh, on a string, which is good to see. So I think in general, the Hawks played much better. That's not a huge secret. In fact, in fact they won the game, but certainly uh, much more polished, much more engaged, and also just kind of not as, much, as many jitters. That's something that people talked about for the game a lot. I think V talked about it as a Tyrese, as did the coaching staff, just the fact that they were a little bit nervous, a little bit tied up in knots in the game on Friday. And it was a lot more free flowing and laid back in a good way in this game. And the end result was a win. So that's good to see from the Hawks. All right. We'll have more, one more break here from our sponsors on today's podcast. We'll come back and talk about the player breakdowns from tonight's game. All right. We'll dive in now to the player evaluations in this one. We'll go to the bench first. Uh, Jarkel Joyner had eight points in 13 minutes, took, took seven shots. Thought he, thought he played fine. Nothing uh, jumping off the screen too much. Uh, Seth Lundy hit, hit, two, hit two threes, had three blocks. I thought Lundy was like very engaged defensively. Um, I've, as I talked about with Bill DeFilippo on the podcast recently, when we talked about Seth Lundy, I think he has the tools to be a pretty good defender, but I thought he was pretty, pretty darn good in this game defensively in a short period of time, but very active using his physicality. Not an elite athlete, but certainly a decent enough one. I thought he played well on the whole. Miles Norris made his debut. He did not play at all on Friday. Uh, seven points, two assists, three rebounds, and a steal for Norris. Hit a three. Uh, just play the right way. I think that's uh, something that the Hawks like about him. I, I think the primary appeal of Norris is his three-point shooting as a guy who's 6'9", 6'10", shot 38% from three. But he's uh, definitely a little bit more than that. He's not, not, not just a pure specialist by any means. I thought he played very well. Uh, Brady Manick offensively played very well again in this game. Ten points on seven shots. Six rebounds. Had two blocks, actually. Had, had one like kind of volleyball spike of a block, which was fun to see. Um, still not like a great rim protector by any means, but certainly did his part in this one. And then Krejci, I thought was maybe their best player. Like he was really good in this game. Not like jumping off the screen number wise. Like he made all four of his shots, had nine points, six, six assists, um, which is good ball movement from him. Three rebounds. You know, Veet's offensive game as a score is a little bit up for, up for debate, but his ball movement, his unselfishness, all that stuff is very, very in, sort of intriguing. Defensively, he was active. He's not great there, but certainly did not like get abused by any means. So I thought Veet was a genuine positive in this one. And then the starters all played pretty well in different ways. So Calvin Gale only had two points, but was plus 13 in game best. Four rebounds, two steals, and a block. He's very active. Again, I, I said this on the show on Friday. I think he's an NBA player. He's not going to probably be on the Hawks if I had to guess, but certainly a guy who does not look out of place at all. A big, burly guy, plays low to the ground, but certainly a physical guy, knows how to play, calls out stuff, and is a pro. Um, I thought that A.J. Griffin was like just okay. Six points, three assists, three rebounds. I thought his defensive lashes were pretty good, actually. And I think that's going to be it for A.J. No one's confirmed that, but everyone on the Hawks' side of things has said basically that he's going to play two games, and it's been two games. So no one came out after the game and said, all right, that's it for A.J., but certainly uh, I expect him to not play anymore. Maybe one more. I wouldn't be shocked if he played one more time, but um, I think it, we, if we saw the end of A.J., it's okay. Um, Muhammad Gay had really good flash in the first half. 
10 points, six rebounds, hit two threes in the first like couple minutes, and then was really kind of quiet after that. Um, the flash plays are really, really impressive. I think many people noticed this, and I, and I, I did as well. When he was playing um, more on the perimeter defensively, he was better. When he was asked to play a little bit of center in the second half, it didn't work out very well. So that's uh, notable. Something I said before the before the summer league actually started was that like he's not ready to anchor defense by any means. He's definitely more of a forward right now defensively. The shooting was good. Uh, I wish he would have actually taken more shots in this game, but I thought he still looked pretty good in this one after a nice follow up on Monday. Uh, sorry, on Friday. Uh, Kobe Bufkin, 17 points, six assists, four turnovers is fine, uh, plus 10, five rebounds. He was only two of nine on twos, a couple of nice floaters in there, but didn't have great finishing in this one, but it was four of 10 from three and played very well. Uh, Lang was very effusive in praising Bufkin, called him special on multiple occasions after the game. So uh, they're definitely trying to give him a lot to deal with. They're trying to have him play through adversity. He seemed to be pretty upbeat about that after the game. Uh, Lang told a story to the media after the game about how uh, as soon as the game was over on Friday, Bufkin was asking for the tape of the game and also asking for the tape of the next opponent. I think he's a little bit um, sort of eager to get better. Uh, that's what you want to see from, from your first-round pick, for sure, young guy. But he wasn't perfect in this game, but certainly played, played better as the game went along, shot it well, and was a big part of why they won the game in general. And then Tyrese Martin, uh, 21 points for Tyrese. He actually shot the heck out of the ball after he had a brutal offensive game on Friday. He was the opposite here. He was 5-6 of six on twos, 3-6 of six on threes, four rebounds, two assists, and it gave my 21 points for him. Um, you know, obviously, Tyrese, when he makes shots, it looks pretty good. Defensively, he was pretty good in this one. He was definitely engaged, had a block shot at one point. So for all the attention paid to Bruno Fernando, and rightly so, about his guarantee, um, it's a reminder that, you know, Tyrese is playing for his career right now. I think he, there's a chance he's not guaranteed in the next 10, 11 days. And I think he played well tonight. We'll see how much they get, sort of take that into account. But uh, there's been a lot of talk about, like, who wins the battle between Krejci and Martin if they have to pick one, and that's uh, up for debate. You know, Krejci has been in the league a little bit longer, but is actually younger than Martin, has a team option at the end of the season as well, which Martin does not have. So uh, back and forth, back and forth there. They don't have to choose anything right now, but um, certainly undeniable that people are looking at that when evaluating the summer league team, and that's where they are right now. So overall, again, the Hawks played well in this one. Um, again, I will always say results don't matter a ton in summer league, but as a team, everyone is happier when you win. These guys are still competitors and they want to win basketball games, but everybody played well. The offense was actually pretty pretty darn impressive by summer league standards in this game. I've watched a lot of basketball the last few days, and a lot of summer league offense is pretty excruciating. Uh, that happened a, lot, a little bit on Friday as well with the Hawks, but they played a pretty free-flowing, aesthetically pleasing style, made shots in this one, and just played well. So there you go. Um, from here, the Hawks are back in action, but not until this is a long break for summer league. Not they're not going to be playing again until Wednesday. That seems like a long time, but at the same time, uh, that's probably an earned break. The Hawks will have the I believe they have the, the day off entirely on uh, on on Monday, and then uh, Tuesday I'm sure they will practice on some level and then be back into uh, back into business after that. So look forward to the next game for the Hawks. Going to be uh, actually four Eastern on Wednesday, so much better for those of us that are not trying to step too late. On the East Coast after a 10.30 and 9.30 game, 4 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday, ESPN2 against the Timberwolves, and they will uh, wrap up the first four games with a 3.30 Eastern time game on Thursday against the Sixers. We'll have more on that in the future. At any rate, 
all I have on today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, follow us on Twitter as well at Lockdown Hawks. Follow us uh, anywhere you find your podcasts again, but follow me, follow me on Twitter if you want to at BT Roland. Follow my written work, patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. We'll have much more de- uh, detail on all the players as we get going here in Summer League. We'll have guests on, talk about how they all looked later on in the summer, but uh, that'll do it for tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate it. We'll see you all next time.